another episode of With Sonar. I'm your host, Tanner Dehart, alongside Tony Mulvey. We have an excellent show lined up for you guys today. We're going to be talking a lot about the current state of the market, how it's looking for everybody out there. We're going to be talking about a lot of the economic data that's coming out next week. We're going to dive through a few of those charts and get going. But first up, Tony, how you been, man? You know, I'm a lot better this week than last week. Laid up sick, uh, so had to miss the show, but didn't want to miss it two weeks in a row. I know our lineup, I mean, up over between this show and the next few shows looks pretty strong, especially once we get there into, I mean, even into Global Supply Chain Week at the end of the month. Yeah, Global Supply Chain Week is going to be phenomenal. We have a lot of guests lined up. We actually have a With Sonar show lined up for Wednesday, so we're super excited about the guests we're going to have on that. Um, as you can see, Luke is not with us. He's, uh, I guess he's lost. Have, yeah. have you heard of him? Have you heard I, from Luke? I don't know, but he's going to miss like a few of our next shows. Uh, like a, this show, the one during Global Supply Chain Week, I think Luke's just, you know, living the dream. That's right. I think, I think we, can, uh, we can do a good job in his place here. Uh, so, yeah. I have faith in him. <laughs> so the, the market's been honestly kind of quiet the first month and a half. We haven't really seen a lot of changes. But, Tony, what's your current opinion on the state of the market right now? I mean, I think we're close to that bottom. And, it, and I say that saying that we're not going to – I don't think we're going to see a bounce off the bottom. Like, but I don't think we're too far from that bottom. I I know we have a chart pulled up here looking at rejection rates, but if you look at the overall rejection rate in the right now, it's what, 3.7% right in that range. So, I mean, we're talking about rejection rates near their all-time lows. Volumes hovering right around that 10,000 mark, slightly above it. They've kind of, they're pretty stable in that spot. We've seen spot rates continue to decline. We've seen, the good news is you're starting to see diesel prices come down, albeit very slow, but... Right now, give it, what, three or four weeks? I mean, we're talking the end of this month into early March was when we saw the surge. So, I mean, we're going to talk about diesel prices being down year over year here in just a couple weeks. But, I mean, they're still ultimately at $4.60 a gallon. So they're still really elevated from where they need to be. But they will be down year over year, which I guess is a positive if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, and fuel's really not the only thing that's been up as well. I've talked to a few carriers over the last week and a half, and operational costs are at all-time highs. Yeah. That's really what we're kind of bumping up against, right? We're coming, to, coming up on this three-year cycle of transportation. 2020 was obviously a crazy year for us. Now we're starting to come into spring of 2023. I think people were really expecting something to have something happen soon, right? Yep. So I feel like it's. I've been saying it's kind of that, that calm before the storm, if you could say. Yeah, it's funny. I was reading through an earnings release from Landstar, and they're – their management team really believes in the cycles of the freight market, right? So boom, or a strong market for that 12 to 18 months, then you see the decline. Well, if you really think about, that's why they're so bullish on the back half of this year, which, and I think if you look across executives across in the market, there are, most of them start to see that bull market mentality coming back in the back half of the year. Well, if you think 20, what, first quarter of 2022 was the peak, well, now you factor in 12 months, that gets us to right now. 18 months really puts us into the big early stages of that third quarter if it's a cycle like we've seen in the past. Getting back to that more seasonal patterns, well, that sets up for that 18-month start of a, another cycle there in the back half of the year, which I would like to think that's the case, but we may have a couple of charts that kind of put a pause on that and talk about where we're a little... There might be a little slower 
climb than what we've seen in previous cycles. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people are kind of waiting on freight waves to make that big call, right? It's yeah. about time for another one. And like you said, we've got a few charts up here that might signal we're getting close to that bottom. We're going to take a look at a few charts that me and Tony and the rest of the team look at pretty much daily to yep. signify, hey, when are those changes might be coming. So let's go ahead and bring the first one up here on on the board for you guys. What we're looking at is we're looking at the um, outbound tender rejection index by MoType. Right. So there are three different colors here. You can see the, the blue line is going to be your van. The orange line is going to be your refrigerated and the green line is flatbed. Now, Tony, I captured this as, as of yesterday. There's two things that point out that are, that are really significant that I see. Flatbed has now fallen below a key significant of 10%. Yep. We're at 9.93. Not only that, refrigerated has fallen below 5% at 4.98. So those are two very big indicators for two different mode types that have fallen below significant barriers. Yeah, and those are those niche markets, right? I mean, those are the ones that that barrier to entry is higher because it's, I don't want to say it's easy to go out and move dry van ferry, but it, it, it is and it isn't, right? You have to have the CDL and the equipment, but there's nuances that go into reefer and flatbed. And that... That's ultimately what keeps the rejection rates higher, right? There's, it's a niche capacity market, and seeing reefer below five percent is crazy, especially when you factor in. We're talking it's it's right at where it was in April of 2020 when the economy shut down, right? Right now the economy is wide open, mm -hmm. and we're at these levels. So like we've seen this. I don't even know if this one. This is the the reefer one's the interesting one because it's not. We saw in new capacity enter the market, but it's not like what we see in the drive-in market. Like this is just an indicator that, hey, rates of spot rates have come down, obviously, but contract rates are ruling the roost, if you want to say that. I mean, there's no, and it's part, part of that becomes, it's more expensive to operate a reefer unit, right? I mean, they have the fuel that runs the reefer unit itself and their diesel fuel for the truck. So, I mean, it's two, that energy aspect it costs a lot more to run that reefer. That's why you don't see them turning down any freight right now because they need that fuel surcharge that's baked into their contract rates to maintain that operating ratio that they're trying to achieve and stay profitable or even break even as opposed to running ORs well above 100. Yeah, and I mean, they're just doing what they can to keep the lights on, right? Yep. There's, there's kind of like this unwritten rule in trucking where it's like against the memo to... to take a loss or to go below yeah. operation costs. But right now with rejection rates being so low and just carriers accepting every load they can, it, it really just seems for it's the survival of the fittest, right? Just yeah. keep the lights on, keep the truck moving at this point. Yeah, and I think this is where we've heard it from customers, right? This relationship building between shipper and carrier is so important. And I mean, even put brokers in there having that relationship as well. And it it comes from the fact that these shippers need the carriers to stay in business because if they go out of business and we have a capacity crunch like we had in 2020 and 2021, well, now they're stuck paying even higher rates. So it's like, it's this, shippers want to be able to fit, like they want to know capacity is going to be there, right? And they want to know it's reliable, the service is maintained, and the cost is something that they can bear they don't want to feel like they're overpaying, right? If they're paying what the market is, they're okay with that, right? I think that was a lot of what we saw back when we saw rejection rates at 50%, right? Capacity wasn't there, wasn't clearly wasn't reliable because compliance was a coin flip. But 
if you know what the rate's going to be and you're paying a fair market rate, you know capacity's going to show up, you're happy. You're not going to blow out your transportation budget because you can factor that in when you're making that budget at the beginning of the year. So it's some of that, like, it's this relate right now is that relationships is where they're so important to continue to keep carriers' lights on, right? Keep them moving, but also shippers where you don't get put in a pinch or a bind when the market does turn because you worked with your carriers when the market was at its worst. And one thing that you said that interests me was capacity. Yeah. We haven't technically seen capacity exit the market yet. Yeah. And so if there's still capacity in the marketplace with rejection rates and rates still coming down, that means we still have more room to run. Yeah. So let's maybe take a look at, let's take a look at the next chart, which is gonna be the national truckload index. So we're gonna be looking at overall rates on average of what brokers are paying the carrier on the spot market. Um, and as I took this chart on February 8th, it was currently at $2.49 a mile. That is below operating cost on average. Yeah, and you look at it, I mean, look at where we were. Obviously, we're going to see the peak there around the holidays. That's, that's no surprise to see it at $2.83. Like, we expected that was anticipated. Our forecast did, maybe didn't factor in that seasonality as much as it probably should have, but that's part of having a forecast. It'll, it'll learn that over time. But look at the rate that we've come down. I mean, we're talking, what, 34 cents in a month and a couple days? Yeah. I mean, that decline, we expected that decline, a decline like that, but we're below where we, I mean, we're below this point in November, which we thought was probably the bottom, right? Now you look at the forecast there in the red, we got further room to run, like you said. We do, we do. Like I said, with capacity still running the market, we haven't seen anybody technically close their doors yet. Rejection rates continue to fall. And like I said, that reefer and flatbed rejections hitting those key trends. I, that, I don't know, Tony, I, I'm a little bear still right now. I know some people aren't, but I think we've got some more run to run. And you can, you can see in the forecast, we're at February 8th today, one month from now, right? So our, our NTI forecast is a 28-day rolling forecast. So since February is a short month, we can see all the way to March 8th. And as of right now, March 8th is 238. So you're talking about another 11 cent drop over the next month. Yeah, and what's interesting though, the ones that you're hearing some of this, especially if you look at the public carriers and the like and brokers that are see, expecting some positive things there in the back half of the month, a lot of their freight's moved on the contract market, mm -hmm. right? So contract volumes are still stable. I mean, they're definitely off their highs, but they're maybe not at the lowest they've ever been but nothing's flowing into the spot market. We saw that with the rejections, right? If nothing's flowing into the spot market, what's keeping this rate up, I mean, right? This is that, as Craig, like, as they call it, the waterfall theory of freight, right? It, it load boards kind of the last place that any freight goes, right? As the freight's not moving through the routing guide mm -hmm. because it's all under contracts, well, this rate keeps going down because there's just not as much freight going, there's no, there's no demand side. There's too much supply and not enough demand. And when that's the case, you see prices fall. Yeah. And let's move on to the next chart, which is exactly what you're talking about, which is that outbound truckload demand. So I put a little bit of a, a three to three and a half, four year chart of outbound truck demand just to kind of give us a, a wide range of what's happening in the marketplace right now. And I'm, I want to point out something interesting is that as of basically year to date 2023 for the last you know, 30, 40 days is we are now back to the same levels that we were for the year and a half that expanded pre-COVID. Yeah, and, and I don't think this is a surprise. Uh, I mean, we 
we hear all the time that see or normalization and i mean this is a normalization of freight volumes you look at the lmi that came out yesterday you inventory levels are still elevated heck in january they were rising at a faster pace than what they were in december which is a concern because it tells me that retailers and things are still taking on inventory levels as consumer spending slowed evident by slowing retail sales numbers that we saw both in November against their difficult comps, but then we saw it in December too. So when we see those numbers in for January, that's going to be what's interesting if we could see this continued deceleration in the consumer. But you look at this chart, I mean, really, are we ever going to see what we saw from, what is it, July 2020 through, what, January 2022? I mean, we're talking levels at 15,000 right, on the OTVI. We're at 10,000 right now. Like, it just doesn't seem fathomable that we get back up there without another major kind of black swan event like COVID, basically shutting services down and forcing people only to spend money on goods. I think that was a lot of what's driving this. And now you factor in services are open, right? You can go travel basically anywhere, uh, movie theater. If you want to go spend money you can spend it on services where during that height through, what, July 2020 and into 2021, you really couldn't. So, I mean, I think that's what they need to pay attention to is where does spending go? Because obviously consumer plays a pretty big role in freight demand because you have to buy things to move it. Obviously, and that factors into housing and construction, durable goods, apparel, retail, consumer, CPG companies. So a lot of these things that move via truck, I mean, energy, granted, energy is one of those things that is always, the demand for there is pretty strong. And if you've had less spending on goods, you'd still have spending on energy because obviously you pay for gas and fuel and things like that. But is that enough to drive freight demand? Arguably, probably not. And you mentioned something about another black swan event happening. So my question to you is, did COVID change the fundamental expectations of what a good economy is? Because uh, you know, we're in this trading range of pre-COVID. 2019 wasn't a bad year when it comes to the overall economy. The Dow yeah. Jones had just hit a recent high a few months before COVID. Honestly, it wasn't that bad of an economy. It's just that COVID made it go up so much. So did, did COVID change our expectations of what a good economy looks like? I think so. I mean... And I think it was just because it was so prolonged, right? I mean, you're talking, what, 24 months of a boom? I mean, everybody talked about it. it was abnormal, irregular, best year ever, or best years ever. But then you start factoring in the expectations. Well, you're building off expectations of what just happened, not what happened prior to that. So, I mean, even 2018 on the freight side wasn't the best year, right? I mean, that's where you saw bankruptcies, uh, really a slowdown in the goods economy, where, like you said, the overall economy wasn't that bad. Now you're, you're facing macro pressure on the entire economy. Well, the freight economy is just part of that that's dealing with that pressure too, because it obviously saw the boom in the past two years. And a lot of things changed with the spot market and contract yep. market as well. It looks a lot different than it did in 2019. Yeah. Rejections were actually higher than they are right now. So even though we're at the same levels of demand, in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure you believe the same way, the, the macroeconomic standing is different than where we were. Yeah, and I think, and this is where 
some of this technology that we've heard. We see it at trade shows. We see it, I mean, on our airwaves talked about. This technology kind of makes it, you want to say it smooths it out, but really, I mean, the volatility in the past few years has been greater than it has ever been. And I, I say that looking at a data source from Landstar, again, going back to their earnings, we look at their BCOs, right? They're those leased on owner operators. Well, if you line up their quarter over quarter changes in those numbers, right now is the fastest that Q4 was the fastest number of BCO, their BCOs that left quarter over quarter that we've ever seen, right? Dating back to 2010. So, I mean, you lost, they were down about 3% in the quarter, quarter over quarter. So, I mean, the swings in that number alone have been more volatile in from 2018, 2020 into 2022. So I think it's just, I think that's what's interesting is this, this, the level of volatility seems like it's increased as opposed to been smoothed out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And, it, and we, we've talked about a few times about there not necessarily being a capacity difference. So if capacity is not going to change the market, then it's going to have to come from the consumer. Yeah. So what, what are consumers doing? I'm, I'm kind of leading this into this next chart here, but what are consumers doing right now that could possibly change the direction of this? Oh, uh, well, right now they just keep spending. That's the, they love to spend on a credit card. And what's the old saying? Never doubt the American consumer's propensity to spend. I'm not doubting it. I see it in their credit card spending, but there's trends that concern me within that because the Fed has taken their action to curb inflation, raising interest rates. Guess what? If consumers continue to spend on credit, interest rates go up cost of credit gets more expensive, consumers' ability to spend money goes down as opposed to them just spending almost willy-nilly. Yeah, and we heard from Jerome Powell yesterday that they're, they're still not done. Yeah. They, they, they've seen some improvements, but overall, they, it looks like that there is no slowing down these interest rates for, for as, at least far as they can see. Yeah, I mean, you're talking they want a target of 2%. Well, inflation is one of those... Inflation's interesting because... It's going to come down naturally as you roll. As long as the rate of the rise slows down, which it has, right? I mean, December was really, what, the first deflationary month we've seen at all where prices fell 0.1% as opposed to only increasing 0.1%. But you're going to drop off some of those 1% month-over-month increases for, what, one that's at 0 0.1%, 0.2% increase? Well, that's inflation coming down, right? Because that 12-month number goes from 7% to 6%. But, I mean, prices are still technically rising, but the overall inflation number comes down as a whole. You basically would have to have deflationary period, right, to feel like your real spending power came back. We're going to see inflation itself come down just because there's nothing right now pushing it up. I mean, the only thing that's really... Mo I mean, you are seeing things move higher, right? Used car prices, I mean, fuel prices, energy prices... They bump back up there in the end of January. You see food prices. Luke loves to talk about how expensive eggs are now. But, I mean, if they just move up at a slower pace, it means inflation, the CPI number, that 12-month number that gets cited, is actually coming down. And I think that's the, the part that's going to be interesting overall as we move forward is in how the Fed takes action, right? Because that number is going to come down naturally. Like, do they go too far with raising rates? 
and, and act almost late to the party to stop, like they were kind of what seems to be late to raise them on the front end. And the Fed doesn't have a magical ball. They're no. looking at some of the same data we all are, right? Yeah. And so they can't stop inflation unless people stop spending money. Yep. And let's go ahead and, and flip to the last chart here. We just heard from American Express two weeks ago that they reported their Q4 earnings. Q4 of 2022 had the largest amount of spend on credit cards that they've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, does it surprise you? It, 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 to me, it wasn't a surprise. I think... The cons- again, as a co- as a credit card company, it's great, right? They make money when you spend money, right? But how does that affect the consumer? I I think I share. I saw a report. I think it was from TransUnion. Average total credit card numbers nine hundred and eighty billion, right? Outstanding credit card debt. The average balance on a card was fifty eight hundred dollars. Average interest rate now right at twenty percent. And basically, if you made the minimum payment on a card with a $5,800 balance, it would take you 17 years to pay it off, and it would cost you over $8,700 in interest. Mm. Like, those two things, add that to the consumer, and it, it's a squeeze, right? We're talking about interest rates that have risen to levels that we've never seen on the credit card side. We're talking, on average, 20%, right? They were 15% in the second quarter of last year. So, I mean, that's like that cost of debt has gone up significantly. And I don't know if that's been factored into the consumer yet. Yeah. And if you can facilitate the debt and you're working hard and you're making money and you're going to work every day, it's fine. Keep spending. But now we're having layoffs, right? These big headline numbers coming out with some of these large companies at at tens of thousands, 15,000 at a time. If you're not working, you can't pay off your credit card bill. Yeah, I think that's going to be the concern is if people kind of wake up and realize, oh, crap, I don't have the money to pay this. And then they they start taking dings. They stop their spending, right? This shows that they keep spending. But if they slow that spending down because they're getting squeezed from the interest rate and inflation, well, guess what? They're buying less things, which means less freight moves. I mean, it's just this kind of knock-on effect that I think there's one other impact of that is the student loan impact and how that factors in. Because I don't think it, it's not that it doesn't get talked about enough, but I feel like there's some mention, it needs to at least be mentioned in this conversation that once those start back, how's the consumer look then, right? Because you're looking at average student loan payments somewhere between $200 and $400 a month. And you're talking about I think, I think I saw the average student loan outstanding is about $20,000. If you have to start that back without budgeting for it, that's a big payment to add on to your monthly finances that now you're getting squeezed other places and now you're adding that on. It, it gets a little more difficult for the consumer at that point. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's something to pay attention to as we get into the middle of the year where we expect this some hopefully solid footing and some acceleration in freight demand. Pay attention to that because it might be one that says, okay, maybe we're not in a place, the consumer's not in a place right now to go and spend like they were back in 2021 when stimulus aided them to pay off their credit and gave them the ability to go spend a lot of money, which is when we saw this boom run. Yeah, and this is exactly it, right? So blue is looking at truckload demand. We just looked at this on the last chart. And then that green is that revolving credit. So taking out student loan debt, we're looking at just credit card spending. 
that's what worries me is the fact that when technically it comes to truckload demand and how many tenders are being sent out, we're at the same levels, but there is a lot more credit card balance that is outstanding out there. Yeah, and again, like that's kind of the concern. That's the concern that I'm having right now is coming to grips with can the consumer keep spending because they need to keep spending to prop up truckload demand and especially as inventory levels get built back to where they were pre-pandemic. It's not like we're just restocking things uh, as we were during a lot of this boom run. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of economic data coming out next week. It's going to be yeah. very interesting to look at. We've got the CPI report coming out. We've got retail sales coming out. We've got industrial production. Those are going to be all things that we're really going to be a, a keeping a really, really close eye on. Well, that's going to do it for us here today. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to join us. Don't forget that uh, Global Supply Chain Week is in two weeks coming up. Yep. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have tons and tons of great speakers. Uh, but until then, me and Tony will back, be back with you next week on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. And we hope you have a great rest, wonderful day.